Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the You Mad Bro podcast, and I warn you of mature content ahead. This show aims to tackle controversial topics going on in the world on a week-to-week basis. The platform of this program is opinionated and occasionally supported by examples and facts, but does not ever aim to be definite. That being said, the views offered by our hosts and guests are not intended to offend or hurt the feelings of any person, no matter their race, gender, sexual orientation, political viewpoint, etc., They only serve as catalysts for poor attempts at humor and maybe a different way of thinking. If you're such an individual that is easily offended or cannot handle your own viewpoints being challenged, you've been adequately warned to not participate. If you're still with us, then please stand, kneel, or lay down. Just be sure to remove your ball caps for the national anthem. What? You mad, bro? Settle down, settle down, settle down. This is week number 69, all right? Get your jokes out now. Nash, get them out while you can. It's week 69. Okay. Um, uh, 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 so a guy walks into a bar, right? And he sits down. And then these peanuts next to him say, hey, you're pretty good looking. And the guy says to the bartender, yo, what's up with the, these peanuts? And the bartender says, oh, they're complimentary. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> Explain it to me later. This is the You Mad Bro. This is the You Mad Bro podcast, episode number sixty-nine. Uh, I smell a lawsuit coming, Nash, in BiggestPodcastSolutions.com to figure out what we think about this lawsuit. Or you can just continue listening for the next forty-five to fifty-five minutes. Um, you Mad Bro Pod, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You know it all, but now I'm just kind of want to get into the stories. So, Nash, uh, we covered a few weeks ago. Uh, so well. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, we covered um, the movie industry, the, fu- the future of theaters a few weeks ago. So this is kind of a follow-up to that and what's going on in the entertainment sphere. And after that, we're talking about more unemployment and stimulus that isn't happening. So. We had so much fun talking about that last time. Yeah, so we got, we got to do it all over again. All right. So Warner Brothers announced its plan to release all 17 of its 2021 films via an experimental quote-unquote hybrid model that will see them premiere in theaters as well as HBO Max at the same time for one month domestically at least. So Nash, your initial thoughts on all 21 of these films being on HBO Max, is that going to make you watch all of them, none of them, some of them, or not much of the same? Uh, it's gonna make it a lot easier for everyone on earth to watch them for free <laughs> <laughs> okay this is true are you, are you subscribed to hbo max i know i know you use mine but you don't have your own right no i don't have my own i use either yours or somebody else gave me their account too okay so yeah most- we live in the same apartment so it's like yeah it makes sense that i use yours because right. yours is just on the tv all right so you're just gonna wait two weeks until it's available for free then no, I wouldn't do that. It's illegal. Come on now. Shut up. All right. So among <laughs> those films, impending blockbusters and starry event titles with nine figure budgets um, and an equally gargantuan marketing cost. I love the way Rogue Rocket writes these articles. Um, includes Dune, The Suicide Squad, The Matrix 4, and Space Jam, A New Legacy. Oh my god, what a rollout. (laughs) So, I'm not gonna lie, as a consumer, I am pretty fucking hyped for this. That just all of them, all of Warner Bros. is just like, right, here you go. Don't worry about it. Uh, Critics of Warner Bros. release, uh, release strategy says it will hurt theaters, well, duh, while already suffering, uh, which are already suffering because of the pandemic, and argue that it will not be profitable for the studio in the long term. And that is why I wrote, I smell a lawsuit coming. Um, Warner Brothers Media says uh, it does not, quote, absolutely believe in the theatrical uh, marketplace, but the company currently is currently, quote, focused on getting through this pandemic like any business. Oh, so it does believe in a theatrical marketplace, but it needs to survive like any other business. So... I understand the um, urgency for Warner Brothers to kind of make some kind of move here because you can't wait forever. But this does just fuck over the theaters even harder than they already have. Yeah, which, I mean, those are kind of like the smallest time sort of business. A- that's the smallest business aspect in this whole uh, 
I guess, uh, what the hell, ecosystem, I guess, media ecosystem, I guess is what I would say. It's the, the smallest end of the bit, the smallest, on the business end, it's the smallest organization for a business are the actual theaters, because typically they're locally owned or something, but like somebody, you know, bought the building, manages the building, they own that building kind of like how somebody would own like a 7-Eleven or something like that, where it's they just have the name up there and the distributors so everybody can make money. But the person that actually owns the building is the one that's suffering from this. Right. So that like the smallest, you know, business end, the small business end of this ecosystem is the one that's going to suffer the most. That's just blatant. Hey man, the that's 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 just the American dream. And in the past few years, just fuck over a little guy. Um, so, but this 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 brings a lot of issues because contractually, you know, this means the studios, not even like the the theaters, the studios themselves don't get much money from it either because they get money through box office. So we're gonna look at Dune and Godzilla versus Kong as two major examples. Um, so among the films set to follow this model are Dune and Godzilla vs. Kong, which Legendary, the studio, financed over half of. The company was allegedly given no notice that Warner would be putting those films on streaming before the news went public. So that's a little rude. That's super rude. That's, that's very a, rude. That's an asshole of a move. So it's like, thanks thanks for uh, for backing half of the film. Now enjoy it as you get a fraction of the profit. Oh no, more than half. More than half. More than half. Uh Dune specifically, Legendary Entertainment paid for 75% of the film's $165 million budget and covered a similar amount for the uh for Congress Godzilla versus Kong. So they're just out. They get nothing, from what I know. From what I understand, I could be wrong. You can fact check me. Fact check me, Tower Shuck. But um, like legendary, legendary entertainment, they get a lot of their money through ticket sales. Yeah. As do most of those studios, though. Yeah. 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 With Warner Brothers, that's the thing, because they typically own like specific rights to it, so they'll make the video games, you know. And probably get the largest profit from like uh, memorabilia or whatever you know toys get made. Yeah, from it. But like, how? Uh, what were you thinking? Like, to just to make it public without telling them. Like this is just you guys panicked and you panicked bad, and now well, you guys a- suffer the repercussions. I don't even know if it's a panic thing. It's just an asshole thing. They they knew the contract. They knew they could do it, and they did it because they just didn't give a fuck at the end of the day. Which is, you know, an asshole move. At least that's how I read it. That like that that I could be totally wrong. You could be right. They t- totally could have just panicked, and that was their immediate reaction. But I would assume they would only make that action after they consulted the lawyers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think immediate reaction <laughs> is probably the right word. The the decision was probably made over a month or a week. So Brian, tell me, can I do this? <laughs> Lawyer Brian, yes. All right, we're doing it. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Go announce it. It's over. But yeah. it's like, and here's it gets even worse. Uh, de- this is from Deadline. They reported that Legendary was ready to hand Godzilla versus Kong over to Netflix for two hundred fifty million dollars, but that deal was blocked. By Warner Brothers. Jesus. That's just dirty business. Yeah, and that might have been, honestly, that might have been the reason why they did it, because they knew that they were trying to sell it to Netflix. But honestly, that you can't be mad at them for trying to do that, because no, of if, course not. if their money is coming from that actual box office, of course, they're trying to break even, because I know it's going to be something like, what, $90 million, $85 million? If Netflix bought it, but in retrospect, you know, that's really not a lot of money for how much went into it. I mean, 165 million went into it. Yeah. Yeah. And they're selling it for 250. They would sell for 250. So they at least make some money back. But even that money comes back, that gets divvied up into how many different places. But it's just, it's just so crazy because like Warner Brothers. 
it's like such a tale of black and white. They are giving the consumer a freebie. And we're going to talk about the financial implications of that freebie. So fans are just like, yes, yes, thank you, HBO Max, let's go. But the business end, the people you do business with, if I was legendary, I would never, ever, ever make another movie with Warner Brothers ever again. No, exactly. That's really the big thing to think about because Warner Brothers is doing it with them because Warner Brothers is terrible at doing stuff. So they have to get other people to make them. Yeah. And so it's kind of like if you play video games, it's like the EA of <laughs> of Hollywood where they're just buying up all the small people because they themselves are actually terrible at doing things. <laughs> they just have money. They just have they just have enough money from when they used to do things to now buy out the smaller people so they can make money on the back end. Yeah, dude, EA Games made MVP Baseball 2005, the greatest sports game that was ever made. I'm pretty sure they used to make Madden or two, so that was good too. But uh, yeah, EA, Fallen from Grace. But back to theaters. Uh, Peter Bart and Mike Fleming Jr. broke the broke the news in a column uh, for I believe Deadline. Uh, and believe that Legendary has the right to bring this forward, especially since Dune was set to be the first in a major adaptation series, with saying, quote, will the long-term viability of the franchise be tarnished by starting out as an HBO Max offering? Um, They asked in the column before, knowing that Hollywood in general is not happy with Warner Bros. because of the 2020 release model. Now, I don't think it tarnishes it if, like, the number one is on streaming and number two is in the theaters. I don't think it tarnishes it. I think they're more thinking in terms of because there was more expanded to that quote in a really long article, pretty much saying that, like, Legendary has a case here. And this, this, this does kind of just mess up literally everything. You're, you're screwing with the system oh, yeah. that's been in lot, place forever. A lot more than just the literal movies gone into it. I mean, there's marketing stuff. And let's be honest, a lot of movies are like so important to actually go see it in the theater as to trying to watch it like in like on a normal TV or something like that. Yeah. Like some of them just cinematically, they are better if you actually experience them with how they're supposed to be experienced. You know, that's why some directors are very specific on how they actually film the movies, the type of cameras they use. Yeah. Like I believe Nolan is one of them. Tarantino likes shooting in um, uh, the certain aspect ratio. Yeah, and it's like it's like Inception. It's a good movie. Don't get me wrong, good movie if it's in the theater or on the TV, but it's way better in the theater. Yeah, if you got that, that, if you got that IMAX, bro. That that music sounds ridiculous if you try to watch it uh, in your living room. Yeah, <laughs> I mean this this hybrid this hybrid theory this in general. I don't think it's it's gonna hurt theaters. It will. Um, because the, the the typical lifespan between theatrical release and home release was 70 days. So, like, you couldn't release it available for your home after 70 days of its release in theaters. Um, which now, I think, has been... Some, I'm kind of confused about that 30-day that thing. Um, what 30-day thing? Every month all theaters at the same time. For one month domestically, at least. So, uh, they uh, the hybrid. Oh, model, to be like an award and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's for to be a premiere. Oh, right, because it has to be rewards. Has to be in theater. Has to be in theaters for it to be uh, uh, available for some awards. That is true. Um, Which I'm sure that will alter because of this, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, that's why like uh, the Irishman last year was in theaters, like select theaters, so it could be capable for awards. So, um. <laughs> yeah, this this hybrid model is interesting because you're gonna have your theater buffs. Like if there's a if there's a Marvel movie, I say Disney tries to go down this route too. That's another that's another fear from Hollywood. Here's a Marvel movie. I bet you're gonna get more people in the theaters than you think. It might not make a billion dollars, but a lot of people are gonna prefer to see it in the theater for the experience. Like I know my Marvel buffs, they say like going to see Black Panther or going to see Infinity War, or going to see um, Wonder Woman is an experience. It's the fan base coming together. You know, people cheer and laugh in the theater together, right? I don't think that's necessarily going to go away. But for the smaller movies, um, 
that won't that aren't Marvel or Star Wars, they're gonna take a hit. Like you said earlier, Nash, she's gonna take a hit to the little guy. Yeah. And it's just you think about it, it's like, okay, so every place that's like north of Virginia isn't gonna have a theater. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, only big cities will. That's like ever. It's all the like the most people. You know, I I assume New York and California have like the most theater goers. I assume just because of population, and their theaters aren't going to be open. Yeah. So it's definitely it's definitely going to be hit. And I agree with you too. I think there are going to be more people than they think, but. It's definitely going to be a lot harder because so many theaters have already closed down because of this, even in states where the restrictions aren't as bad as they used to be. Yeah. So it's like everybody's already the da- a lot of the damage has already been done to those places. And so it's going to be even less than that. But I do think people are going to see them more than they assume. But you have to also accept the fact that a vast number of people just can't even because if you live in new york all right and you're trying to go see it in theaters like you can either go to canada or try to go to virginia (laughs) that's that's about the same you've got about the same amount of traveling to do if you want to go see the movie so it's unrealistic to assume that they're going to go see it yeah in theaters so Legendary wasn't the only one that was caught off guard. Others in the industry were similarly caught off guard. Vulture quoted executives who messaged each other over about the news saying things like, quote, this is ridiculous, that they wouldn't even make a phone call. And, quote, they didn't even try to reach out, and they just assumed we'd go along with this. Now, to be fair, about an hour ahead of the studio's bombshell announcement, Vulture learned that Toby... Emmenrich and Ann Sarnoff, chairman of Warner Brothers Pictures Group and chairman slash CEO of Warner Brothers, respectively, called the heads of Hollywood's top talent agencies, the CAA, the WME, the UTA, and Paradigm to discuss renegotiating certain, quote, talent deals attached to films of the 2021 calendar. Um, so, talent deals. That's a big thing that we're going to talk about next because uh, a few weeks ago, Warner Brothers, uh, Warner Brothers announced that Wonder Woman 1984 will be set to release on HBO Max on Christmas Day. So Merry Christmas. Enjoy your shitty movie. Um, <laughs> the, the, the first one was awful. I'm going to get a lot of heat for that, but the first one was terrible. Was that the one where there was like in World War One or Two? Yeah. And like they, they make Wonder Woman that go into go to America and be confused what a spoon is. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I, I I saw that on TV, you know, and like she confused. doesn't understand she doesn't understand what love is. It's just like wow, you made you made Wonder Woman just a moron, and you made Gal Gadot's acting so much easier. But anyway, that's just, that's just women for you, Daphne. Yeah, uh, you said that, not me. My girl, my girlfriend's gonna kill me. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, my girlfriend's gonna kill you too. So according to, and, and my mother, she listens to. Uh, according, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is terrible. I didn't mean it. It's for the people listening. They think it's funny. <laughs> so Gal Gadot, um, she was set to see $10 million for Wonder Woman 1984, which would have released in theaters. Um, well, which sorry, which will have a dual release on Christmas Day. It was supposed to release, I think, over the summer. Um, Gal, how, Gal Gadot. Yeah. I got it. Gal Gadot. That's what I said. Got it. I said Gal Gadot. Denied. I know how to say the woman's name. All right. I, I, <laughs> no, you didn't, dude. You didn't say it right. Whatever. However, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Everyone, settle down, settle down. <laughs> uh, however, the cash depends on back end component that would likely only kick in when the movie earned a certain dollar amount at the box office. With this release wow. model, it is yeah. far less likely a sequel will rake in that amount. So Gal Gadot, well, Gal Gadot, um, is might not see much of that ten million dollars. Oh no! <laughs> unless unless she unless she sues, and if she does, according to sources, Warner Brothers will have to quote unquote buy out every such deal 
on every movie it plans to release next year. Oh, they don't want that heat. So they're going to they're going to pay out LeBron James, Keanu Reeves if he's in a new Matrix, like everybody. Yeah, it's not there for the money. So experts are now questioning if this HBO Max model is even financially stable. So Nash, like they're going to lose so much money by doing I, this. Yeah, I I see why you said it was a reactionary thing because with that information, you there is no way you would do that with the the th- that threat present. <laughs> Those people can afford nice lawyers. You're gonna snap in the door, Brian. Why? <laughs> <laughs> why? Why? You didn't ask. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's gonna be bad. So, for all of this to be financially successful, Vulture estimates that this decision would have to give uh, a streamer. They gave the streamer a 15 to 20 million subscriber boost to make sense. Oh my God. Let's okay, see. So, they're, so they're not even doing the Disney type thing where you have to pay to watch it? No, it's free. Oh God, these guys are dumb. I thought they were going to at least make it like, yeah, 20 bucks and you can watch it. No, these guys are absolutely idiotic. All right, well, Nash, take a guess. How many subscribers do you think are subscribed to HBO Max right now? Um, in total, let's see. They need fifteen to twenty million to boost no, no, it. Fifteen to twenty million more subscribers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need fifteen to twenty million more. <clears throat> I'm gonna assume it's like fifteen million they have now. They have thirty six point three million subscribers. Oh my god! So they need another fifteen to twenty for this to make sense. They almost have to double it. That's that's what I was assuming they'd have to double it, but that's so many people. Right? And not only that, Nash, but like you said, this is going to make it so much easier for it to be pirated. Yeah, exactly. Because if if anybody that... You don't even have to know too much about, like, computers or anything. If you can just screen record it and put it somewhere online it's there and so by just handing that over to somebody you're done you're probably gonna see less people subscribe after this happens yep yeah i wouldn't be surprised honestly i wouldn't be surprised if the tally the tallies kind of drop just a little bit or if they have like projected to raise like 15 percent it only raises like seven that's why if you've ever like not that I ever have because it's illegal, but if you've ever tried to watch a movie illegally before it gets released on DVD or something, usually you'd probably find, I wouldn't know because I haven't done it, but you'd probably find somebody just recording it in the theater. And it's a terrible quality. Nobody wants to watch that. So it's almost worth the money to just go watch the movie. Yeah. But <laughs> it, it is. I mean, let me just... tell you, it's worth it. I've seen someone. I've walked in on someone watching a cam, like video, and I was like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Dude, it's a ticket's thirteen dollars. What are you doing?" How <laughs> <laughs> he makes money online. But yeah, it's like if it's day one on the internet. Okay, well, within hour, whatever of the release, it's already <laughs> illegally everywhere. <laughs> How long's the movie? Two yeah, hours. Exactly. Give it four That's... hours. It's up. That's how long it'll take for the movie to be on. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the dumbest thing. Dumbest thing ever. Yep. And me personally, I'm going to keep my subscription. Because, like, honestly, as a, if I'm a, again, if I'm a consumer, these are, like, Matrix 4, I have no interest. I would not pay to see Matrix 4. Dune, maybe Nash if you wanted to go. Congress, Godzilla, and we were drunk. Sure, let's go see it. But, like, none of these movies I really am just like, I have to see. But if oh, they're I mean, all of them, right? But if they're just come with my subscription, I'll probably watch all of them. Yeah, no, exactly. See, that's and that's really the biggest divide is because you're somebody that already subscribes to it. You like the content they have, so it makes sense that you're just okay. New Year comes, you're gonna you know re up on it. That makes sense. You're already one of those thirty million some odd people that already have it. I don't think you're going to push 15 to 20 million more people to get it because of those movies. Yeah. If they don't, if you know, if they don't like it now, adding five movies, isn't going to make them get 
you know the whole subscription for that long. Oh, it's seventeen. A lot of them, a lot of the movies you haven't, I have not even never even heard of. Um, another one's like Tom and Jerry. Um, I hope it's the cat and mouse movie. I really do. Um, another one is like King Arthur or something. I just looked at the list and I already forget it, but it's okay. Oh man, if it's if it's one of the if it's one of the Amazing Races from Tom and Jerry. Um. So one high up unnamed executive told Variety that Warner Media has quote parted with easily two billion dollars in assets gift wrapped for HBO Max that will see absolutely no return. Oh my god, I'm such idiots. Yep. That's why I told you it has to be reactionary. Like they didn't think this through. Um so theaters. Let's go back to talking about the theaters because AMC president Ar- uh, Adam Aaron, A-R-O-N, Aron, um, is not happy. He also said that prioritizing streaming could lead to profit loss. Well, no shit, Adam. Um, he said, quote, <laughs> <laughs> he said, quote, clearly, Warner Media intends to sacrifice a considerable portion of the profitability of its movie, Studio Division, uh, and that its production partners and filmmakers to subsidize its HBO Max startup, he said in a statement. Yeah, he's really not happy. Oh, wow. As for AMC, he goes on to say, we will do all in our power to ensure that Warner does not do so at our expense. We will aggressively pursue economic terms that preserve our business. We have already commenced an immediate and urgent dialogue with the leadership of Warner on this subject. So a little background on AMC. They lost $900 million in its third quarter of this year because of the pandemic. Cineworld cut 45,000 employees. AMC Theaters is currently seeking $800 million in outside capital just to stay afloat. Um, and there's fear that this will set a new precedent. Um, yeah. Meaning, quote, you're going, to se- you're going to set up a consumer pattern that they'll expect this stuff. That's from an exec at another studio. Quote, you're going to have, you're going to have event movies that you have to see in a movie theater and you have experience on a big screen. If I can only see Blockbuster X because it's not available on any streaming service, I'm going to get in my car, pay 10 bucks, and go to the theater. Every movie that is not an event movie, you're just not going to go. That's exactly what I said earlier. Yeah, no, that's totally a fair point. I also think I should mention how last time we were talking about this, like three quarters of that conversation, I thought we were talking about like the channel AMC because I saw like when we were talking about how they had just started their own streaming service, AMC+. Plus. Oh, my God. But, um, well, see, that's the thing. AMC Plus, hype about. They own a lot of good titles. They own, uh, you know, Breaking Bad, The Walking Dead, uh, Hell on Wheels. All of those were pitched to HBO, but HBO didn't like them. And so AMC did them because AMC liked them. So they own a lot of good stuff. But on to this. Yeah, these theaters are going to tank pretty bad. And it's kind of, it's kind of weird because you know it would be a pretty effective solution. It's actually something I did during the pandemic because even when all the states were in a pretty fair lockdown, or at least 80% of them were, this actually made sense. It was a drive-in movie theater. Yeah. Because guess what? Everybody is about a car length or more away from each other. That's, that's pretty good COVID rules, and everybody's outside, so they're not breathing the same air. That, that makes a lot of sense to go and do that. But you can't really do that in the areas that need the COVID relief. Major city areas, you just don't have enough room to do it. Yeah. Well, like, what about this? Right? Like, what if theaters started showing old movies? A lot of them do. Have you ever been to uh, an independent theater? Yeah, I I know they do. But what if, like, AMC is like, all right, listen, summer, we're going to release Jaws again. Right, like it's an anniversary. Like they, they did re-release, like they released Titanic and yeah. 3D. Right, like they could release these big blockbusters. Like come see, I mean, you have to cut a deal with the, the studios, right? Like if you're going to try and do Avengers, you have to cut a deal with Disney, give them some cash. But you have properties that would be willing. Like if Donnie Darker was in theaters, I'd probably go see it. I'd be the only one, but I'd go see it. I'd drive Yeah, it. it's like the best thing to do for this is like, if you're a theater, is to have Matrix, the Matrix 1, 2, and 3 showing. Yeah. Like, when this releases. Because that way, people that, you know, haven't seen, you know, the Matrix since it was released, or has haven't seen, you know, haven't seen it in theater since it was released, 
they can at least go experience that in theaters again before they see the new one. Exactly. But you can, I mean, it's again, you can't do that in the areas that need it the most. Or you bundle them. Like, listen, we'll, we'll let you see all four movies over the weekend. You get to pick and choose your times if the tickets available. Um, like you know. Oh well, yeah, no, they could just have a whole day. It's like you know, Friday yeah, is the first one, Saturday is the second one. Yeah, yeah. But like that's 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 even harder. You could like do two in a day and then two two on Friday, two on Saturday or something. Like or yeah. one on Friday, one on Saturday, two on Sunday, or two on Saturday. You can kind of mix and match how you want for like forty bucks. People would come do on, that. movie movie industry. We're helping you out here, right? Like there were things. Cinephiles would love that. I would love that. I think I'm a cinephile. People yeah. would love that. You do a movie podcast. You're a cinephile, right? So yeah. like there there are, <laughs> there are, there are creative things you probably can do. It's just a matter of if you can get the rights to do them. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I think, but I mean, I, I, I feel like everybody at the point right, right that they're at right now is willing to do something just because everybody's taking a hit. Yeah. You know, they're willing to do at least something to get it going, and that would just help everybody out. Yeah. So we'll Keanu see, would be behind it. We'll see what happens. I think movie theaters have to get, have to get innovative. They're going to have to think some things through. Or they're gonna die, but either way, I don't think this is bad for the consumer, like at all. If anything, we win. No matter what happens, we win. It's gonna be bad for um, people who love the theater and people who like live at the theater, jobs at the theater. But in terms of watching movies, seeing this content, getting access to it, we but win. Does does it though? I mean, how these movies get made and financed that could be an issue. Well, see, that's the thing, because now you're having an even more aggressive consolidation of media because the little guys can't stay afloat. And they especially can't stay afloat when the guy that the big guy that's backing them says, no, we're not going to give you the money for box office at all. We're not going to let you do that. Yeah. <clears throat> like, of, <clears throat> of course, that's going to make it worse in the long run. Yes. For these next, you know, 20 movies, everybody's going to have a good time, except for the people that made them people that own theaters. But what about the next movies that come out? Because now those companies aren't going to be there to make them. Yeah, what happens in 2022? Yeah. It's essentially, it's letting the terrorists win. It's essentially what it is. Because you're submitting to the fear around the pandemic than actually, and making the problem worse than the actual pandemic itself. Yeah. Yeah, the cure is worse than a disease. Yeah. Yeah, we've heard that. We've had a spring around for months. But all right, speaking of uh curing a disease, we gotta cure our government, which is a fucking disease. Because <laughs> we're talking about unemployment and stimulus. What a segue. Yeah, I try. Uh that takes them charging up all day. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll work on it. Weekly unemployment claims have spiked to eight hundred fifty-three thousand, the highest numbers since mid-September as job growths falter. Economists say that without another stimulus package, the U.S. economy will continue to slow, or it will crash, to put it bluntly. Despite earlier optimism that a $908 billion bipartisan proposal will pass that we talked about last week, I believe, Congress has reached another impasse. No shocker there. With liability protections for businesses and funding to state and local governments being the two major sticking points. So, Nash, remember that stimulus package we talked about last week? Yeah. It's not going to have state and local funding. It's not going to have another round of stimulus, but it is going to have liability protection so you can't sue your job if you get sick. I don't... I I really Yeah, that moment of silence was very needed. Democrats <laughs> Democrats have accepted Republicans demands demands agreeing to temporary liability protections. Republicans meanwhile have refused to support more funding for states, arguing that money amounts to blue state bailouts. That's in quotes. Again, fuck you Mitch McConnell. However, red states are expected to suffer even more from budget shortfalls plaguing most state and local governments and unless more is done there will be more long-term economic damage nash what do you got say something oh my god 
it's <coughs> good God. It, it amazes me. Because that is partially correct. Blue state balance does make the most sense. The states where the most people aren't working are going to need the most money because they're not letting people work. They're also the areas that get affected the most by people, you know, not working, which is why we keep seeing people, you know, leave those areas. But at some point, you have to bite the bullet saying we're all going to suffer from this. And that's really the most ludicrous thing about this is in a time where literally politics should have nothing to do with anything. You've got people saying, oh, it's all just blue state ballots. You've got AOC saying, oh, I'm not going to take a vaccine because Trump made it. Like You've got ridiculous things like that going on at a time where something just needs to happen. You have Nancy Pelosi saying, quote, all the president wants is a check with his name on it. And I'm here to tell you that ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. End quote. And it's exactly right. Cause it's not the fact that it's going to have his name on. It's the fact that the check isn't going to exist. And it, it's, that's not the hill to die on because nobody that, that serves nobody but yourself for that being a fact. When you, well, then she said it like a smug cunt there. I said it. God damn, I fucking hate Nancy Pelosi. I hate most of strong... I hate most of the upper ends of leadership. Yeah. And it's it's utterly absurd. Because the water's rising. And we're all drowning. A lot, of, the, a lot of people are drowning. Once, once enough people are drowning and we see who's afloat, who do you think everybody's going to go after? Yeah. I just, I don't understand how they they can expect to come out clean with this. Well, here we go, Nash. The Department of Labor reported Thursday another 850,000 Americans filed new unemployment claims last week of December, an increase of 137,000 more claims than the week before, largest spike since mid-September. Another 428,000 people filed under the Federal Joblessness Benefits Program for freelancers and self-employed workers, a nearly 50% increase from the week before. The increase in claims comes as the U.S. is reporting a sharp decrease in job growth. Now, this is what really pisses me off. The last, last, the la last week, the Department of Labor reported that only 245,000 new jobs were created in November, less than half of the 610,000 jobs that were added to the economy the month before. Now, the word I have a problem here that was created. Jobs were not created. Zero jobs were created. People were allowed to go back to work. <laughs> That's an excellent point. It isn't a new job if you go back to doing the exact same thing. You yeah, didn't, it, you didn't it, create jobs. You let them come back. That really is an excellent point to make because, again, if you got let off and then, oh, yeah, you can come back. That's not a new job. No. You're cutting your losses. Right, like if you if you if you get scammed from a guy who has an apartment selling you an apartment, and you're out five thousand dollars, but you get paid the next week your thousand dollar paycheck, right? You didn't really make a thousand dollars. You just are now down four thousand dollars. Was that a bad analogy? That was a mediocre analogy, but I think your original point is the most important. Those aren't new jobs. Those aren't... Those are the same people that were employed are now employed again. Yeah. Like, don't pat yourself in the back like we created new jobs. Go fuck yourself. You didn't, you, yeah, you didn't make new jobs. You just stopped being a little... You stopped being a little bit insane. You're still batshit crazy, but not as batshit crazy as last month. Yeah. It's like, I don't understand how they think you can shut everything down and not provide help. You can't have it both ways. I've said that so many times in the show, but it's getting annoying now. So well, I think that's the biggest point to make is because politically we have people that saying, you know, we can't have any sort of help like that. 
when clearly we're in a time where we need it. And then you've got people saying, oh, this is a perfect example of why we should have this help. And it's like, it really isn't. <laughs> You're not handling it like it is. Yeah. You're handling it horrifically on both ends. We had someone on CNN, like one of their lead economy writers. I forget his name. He said in an interview on CNN, the American people don't need a stimulus check. All the, They're just going to save it. They're not going to spend it. What a fuck. And he said, that's what economists are telling me. To which I go, which economist did you just make up in your head? Because you're a fucking moron or you're lying or both. No, because he doesn't get paid at the end of the day. That's what happens. Yeah, big people aren't going to get paid because more people are going to worry about feeding their family. That's essentially what he said. More people are worried about their immediate expenses rather than buying a new dishwasher. And did you did you see this video going around the interview, Nash? There was this woman in California. Of course, it's California. She had an outdoor patio for her restaurant. And uh, Governor uh, Mancetti or Mayor Mancetti, whatever the hell is not, I forget the name, um, Garcetti. I think it was Mayor Garcetti forced her restaurant to close. But next door, there was a movie production company open, allowed outdoor seating for their restaurant in the same parking lot as the one that made them close down. So the government is saying, and and the the, the top 10% in this country have made trillions of dollars this year. Their bottom dollar is higher than ever because small businesses are being hung out to dry while the government is letting big business do whatever the fuck they want. Like a sporting goods store can be closed down. With, with five people working in it. But you can order baseball, football, a catcher's glove from Amazon that has a factory with a thousand people working in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the ultimate irony of this. Walmart is still open. Yeah. If anything, the small businesses should be allowed to be open because they can control how many people are in and out. Yeah, it's understandable. It's more personal. Because here's the thing, even with those guidelines in place, do you think those businesses are going to even try to care when they can see the person next to them like that? They're not going to give two flying fucks. Yeah. Because they can see the hypocrisy with their eyes. Mm -hmm. They can literally see it happening every day. They don't have to read about it. They don't have to look on the news. They can see it happening. And And I'll... a lot of a lot of restaurants are refusing to close down. They're saying no. They're like, fuck you. We're not doing it. There's this guy in Michigan who went viral uh, because like this this guy was doing a news report in front of like his restaurant and he just came out and was just like, My government's abandoned me. Like if they gave me money to shut down for two weeks, I would gladly do it, but not giving me a choice. I want all restaurant owners to stand up and just do this. Like I'm I'm not a bad guy. I have a wife and two kids and grandchildren I gotta provide food for. Like I'm just doing what I have to do. I'm tired of this tyranny. And like Kyle Klitsky did a did a video on this. And the best part about that video was you couldn't tell which political affiliation he had. You couldn't tell if he was left wing or right wing. He was just a guy struggling. And that's where we're just going to see more of. And it's going to hit a boiling point. And the, guess what? The water's already hot. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> let's talk about the White House proposal. Because they had a proposal that Congress couldn't agree on. In an apparent attempt to bring the two sides together, the White House put forward its own $916 billion proposal on Tuesday. Uh, last Tuesday. Along with, along, although, blah, although the package which was announced by Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, sought to reach some middle ground on key issues, it also created another set of problems. Mnuchin's plan included another round of one-time stimulus checks worth $600 per person. Wow, thanks! With another $600 per child. It also proposed huge cuts to unemployment benefits laid out in a bipartisan framework. Under the initial package, Congress would approve $180 billion in new federal unemployment benefits which would be enough to both extend existing programs set to expire in about two weeks and add a supplementary $300 a week for jobless Americans. Despite costing more, the White House plan would slash the amount, the number to just $40 billion, according to people familiar with the proposal. While it would extend the federal benefits, it would not give any federal 
additional aid to millions of Americans who are struggling to make ends meet. Pelosi calls this unexpectable, un unacceptable. While House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said it was, quote, a very good offer. So there's your division. My God. Your leadership, ladies and gentlemen. They have an offer, and the two are on complete polar opposite sides. And then neither of them are budging. And it's really for anybody listening, this is the important thing to ask is, to whose benefit? Legitimately, who benefits from that? I don't know. Like, I, I honestly, like, I, I can't even say the, I can't even say the corporation. I can't even say the military. I can't say the lobbyists. Now, those are the easy ones. But in this particular circumstance, it, it helps nobody. It doesn't help anybody. It, what also doesn't help anybody is nothing happening. Yeah. That does more damage than anything. So even if it helps a little bit of people, at least people are getting helped. And I'll say it again, and I'll say it probably a million more times on this show. Yes, there's always backdoor deals that nobody sees right off of the bat. By nobody, I mean normal people. And I consider myself one of those normal Americans where you have a deal that's made that, yeah, somebody's going to benefit from it. I have no idea, did not even consider, wouldn't even understand. But here at least someone's getting help. And now, no, we can't have anything. Nothing at all. Yeah. We're not going to help anybody. Not a damn soul. Oh, but remember, remember we talked about the military budget last week? Yeah. They approved that in a day. Of course they did. Because we can have a revolution here, but China's not going to get in. Russia's not going to get in. Iran's not going to get in. Yeah, they passed that with flying colors. Because honestly, that, that that's what I think is going to be the most amazing fact, is that there's probably going to be some sort of physical revolution in the United States while the military remains totally out of it. They have to. You you can't you can't be a president and set the set the troops on American citizens. You can't do it. I don't care. They wouldn't even try. They wouldn't. Well, I don't even think any of the people in the armed forces would even want to. Would even begin to do that because they'd agree. Yeah. They'd be like, yeah, I, I I we need to figure that out, but. There's also, you know, foreign elements that are at play. Yeah. That would take this as weakness. I understand how that's a bigger threat. But I also understand how we need to resolve that. So I'm going to let them resolve that. They wouldn't want to get in there because that's the thing. Because if you're on the ground, you know, if, you, if you're actually there seeing it, even if you're just in the tech industry, you realize how absolutely threatening every other country is. Yeah. You understand they're always trying to get in through the back door. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's not a foreign concept to people at all. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what it's gearing to look like more and more each day, is that we're going to have an utterly insane amount of political upheaval, whether it be physical or purely, you know, ideological. And the military isn't even going to involve itself. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'd, I'd say it's historically unprecedented because typically that's the first thing that you need. You need to have the military on your side. But I don't think the military is on either people's side. I think they are more inclined to help the American people than they are to help the leadership. Leadership, pay, <laughs> leadership pays them, though. We pay them. Leadership doesn't pay them. We pay them. That's what they know. Mm. Yeah, a lot of military people do take this, their oath to the Constitution incredibly seriously, too. Of course, as they should. Yeah. So, back to this bill. McConnell also suggested dropping two specific provisions in the White House framework that have been arguably the biggest sticking points for the two parties. The liability protections that prevent businesses from coronavirus-related lawsuits if a customer or employee is infected on site, and any sort of funding for state and local governments. So that's what, that's what fucking Mitch wants for these bills, for it to pass. You can't sue your you can't sue your employee for COVID related things. Hmm. How do you feel, do you feel about that? I was just gonna ask you the same thing. Like I I I get it. I get it. I get it. See, that's a like 
that I understand that too, and I think that's where I'm leaning. But that's a dangerous precedent to set because once that's established in the law, then you've got okay. So now I can't sue anybody for getting sick ever. Yeah. The argument could definitely be made. That's how law is established with yeah. the president with the precedent. So if you've got that in there, the idea of you can't sue for the company should just stop there. Like no, you can sue for anything. Yeah, may not go, may not may not go far, but to say you yeah. you can't sue. Period. It's like okay, I should I should probably, and that's the case. I should probably I should definitely be allowed to sue for it. Then, <laughs> if that's what Mitch McConnell thinks, I should definitely be allowed to sue for it. It's like companies should definitely be liable if their own employees get infected. Yeah. Past that, nah, customers go fuck yourself. You should you should have the risk. Yeah. Because I think a company could definitely say in any sort of clause, if they do any type of job, listen, we're not liable if you get COVID from being here. We're not liable for you telling us to be here and paying us to be here. I think that you could very easily write that up and have it be legally all right. Yeah. All right, but let's run through how desperately state and locals need funding. It's desperately, Nash. I'm telling you, it's fucking desperate. So... Well, they're arguing about that. Let's take a look what's going on in the real world. So for months, Democrats have said they will not move forward on the bill that does not include funding for state and local governments. Republicans have refused to budge on their objections and branding the effort as blue state bailout. Um, but it would also benefit the red states. So I don't like that term blue state bailout because it's not a blue state bailout. It's a state bailout. There, I fixed it. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, <laughs> you edited the quote. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a United State bailout. Um in fact, according to a recent report on uh, from Moody's Analytics, uh, six out of the seven states that are expected to suffer the biggest declines in revenue over the next two years are red states, led by Republican governors and won by Trump in the election. Wyoming, Alaska, North Dakota, Republican-led states that depend on energy-related taxes have been walloped, what a great word, by the sharp decline in oil prices. Remember when, remember when price, oil prices were negative? Yeah, you had you had, you couldn't you couldn't sell oil. You had to give it away. Um, companies meaning I, I I couldn't just go and get a barrel of oil for cash. Uh, places where we've talked about on the show, places where tourism provides a large infusion of revenues, like Florida and Nevada, face revenue declines of ten percent or more. As does Louisiana, which relies on both tourism and energy. So they're in trouble. A steep fall off in sales and personal tax income tax which on average account for roughly two-thirds of a state's tax revenue, according to the Pew Charitable Trusts, is forcing Republican and Democratic officials to consider laying off police officers, reducing child vaccinations, closing libraries, parks, and drug treatment centers. So this is what happens when you don't bail out the states. The states can't operate. In Kansas City, Missouri, with a municipal budget of $1.7 billion, the city manager has asked each department to draft a plan for cuts of more than 11%. That could mean laying off 200 police officers from the 1,300 member force and 180 firefighters and emergency medical technicians, said Dan Fowler, a city council member. Oh, it gets better. In Wyoming, prosecutor Dan Itzen is cutting costs. He has also stopped prosecuting 17 times of misdemeanors, including assault and battery, first-time drunk driving, shoplifting. Check fraud and property damage. Quote, if I'm losing personnel, I cannot continue to prosecute as many cases. And those are the ones you decide to drop? Yep. Shoplifting, okay. Drunk driving, assault and battery. Check fraud and property damage? Are you out of your fucking mind? Fund Wyoming! Check fraud. I can, I can, uh, you know, right now I under, I feel like most people committing check fraud are people that just straight up don't have any money left rather than scammers. But yeah, those other ones, 100%, you should not stop prosecuting those. Let me tell you, Nash, from personal experience, fraud is at an all time high. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course, because people, and this is exactly why, because people, stop giving a shit because the people that are supposed to be in charge actually coming up with solutions are stonewalling to nobody's benefit. Nobody but their own and not even their own, I don't think. They're not the ones that come out clean at the end of this. 
It's okay, Nash. Pelosi still got reelected to the House Speaker almost unanimously. Or she's going. Or she's. Or she's going to. I am mad. That, that's that's saying something. You don't think you don't think AOC is going to step up to her. You don't think Bernie's going to step up to her. The whole squad is going to step up to her. You don't think Rokana is going to step up to her and be like, you know what, Pelosi, I object to you. I don't want you to be House Speaker because you're failing. You're only failing me. You're only failing the party. You're failing the American people. And Jimmy Dore has been going off of this fucking a lot um, on his YouTube channel, The Jimmy Dore Show. He has been saying, he has been calling, begging for Democratic leadership to put Pelosi in her fucking place and demand a Medicare for All bill to be put on the floor to a vote. And they won't do it. Yeah, because this is the thing, because most people... If you've listened to the show, you understand that I'm definitely not the strongest proponent of that. But I understand if you put something in place to say, hey, right now, we definitely need that. I would agree because that solves almost every single issue we have. Because then you can open up every metropolitan area again because then we can actually afford to pay people yeah. to actually look after the sick. Just put it to a vote. Just a vote. Because most likely, in my opinion at least, it would pass the House. It would get especially right now, and I think it would. And I because that almost that almost solves every immediate problem. Yeah, it doesn't solve all of them, but it solves most of them. It, get, it lets everybody get back to work. It lets everybody that is going to take care of the sick know that they're going to get paid. It lets everybody that gets sick not have to worry about how they're going to pay the bill. Yeah, the number one form of bankruptcy in America is medic medical care. Especially because of this, too, because if you have it, you got to pay for it, and now you don't have a job. Yep. So now you don't have your benefits, or you just don't have enough money to pay for it out of pocket, which almost nobody has money yeah. for. Yeah. I mean, let's let's be honest. If the House passed it, the Senate would probably reject it. But that's not a that, – that, that's, that's, I'm not going to say it's okay, but then Democrats can put all the blame on the Senate, and you win. But you know why they won't do it? Because their donors don't want it. The lobbyists don't want it. The corporations don't want it. Big Pharma doesn't want it. Exactly. They don't want it. And, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have an awakening and we're going to have a big coffin. That's about it. That's about, that's really, do you have more to say? Yep. <laughs> Governor, governors and local leaders across the country have repeatedly begged Congress to give them additional federal aid. And while Congress did not give them, did, did give them some money under the CARES Act passed in March, States are still under enormous financial strain. From the get-go, much of the coronavirus-related spending has fallen on state and local leaders, and the Trump administration has continued to put the bulk of responsibility in the hands of governors without giving them the tools to do so. That's the big problem. It's like, you are right in the first part, Donnie, but you got to support them. You can't just leave them off to their own. Meanwhile, there have been an increased demand for unemployment benefits and other state-funded social safety net programs that are either Wholly, wholly or partially state-funded. However, according to The Economist, the biggest reason states are losing money is because the economic shutdowns have also significantly decreased tax revenues. We've already talked about tax revenues, but sorry, states of tank because taxes, yada, 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 yada. Local businesses, which are also under major, which are also major sources of tax revenue directly and through their employees, are being forced to either fire those employees or shut down entirely. Notably, all the stimulus proposals, which included another round of PPP, loans for small businesses, but experts say like it would likely not be enough. Quote, PPP never really served these kinds of businesses very well. More and more of them are boarding up and closing down, and it's a <laughs> real hit to the community, a real hit to the quality of life in these communities. That's PPP never really served these kinds of businesses very well. Well, do you know why? Never. No, I'm just saying that's the important acknowledgement. They never did. <laughs> never. <laughs> Again, do you want to know why? Why? One recent study from the counter and in from the counter, an independent food-focused news organization, found that just one percent of PPP powers took in a quarter of their loan money, and many of those were large companies. You know why it didn't? Why it never served those kinds of businesses? Because they didn't get it. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. So there's a system that was created 
and it never served its purpose by the government. Never. 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 The organization also reported that large fast food franchises alone took in more than $60 billion in PPP funding through a loophole that allowed large companies to be eligible for loans as long as employees had less than 500 people at one location. That's fucking absurd. So if you have less than 500 employees at your local McDonald's. That's literally every, literally everywhere. Everywhere has a location with under 500 people. The counter also found multiple instances where conglomerates appeared to bypass a $10 million cap on loans through these, through the use of subsidiaries. Alexa, play Blood on the Leaves by Kanye West. Blood on the Leaves by Kanye West from Spotify. <laughs> Dang. Nash, turn that off. <laughs> Alexa, stop. <laughs> you want to hear one good tidbit of information, Nash? <laughs> no, but yes. So, other developed countries, France, Japan, Switzerland, the rest of them, if they forced their businesses to shut down, the government made up for 75% or more of their wages. Sometimes 100%. I think Japan was 100%. You can fact check me on that. You know what America did? Like none? Zero. Yeah. So what happens next? Absent a federal stimulus... The only way for states to get more money would be to raise taxes or to make massive budget cuts. Both options would put significant strain on the millions of struggling Americans and have a broader negative multiplier effect on the already faltering American economy. And that, my friends, is the death of America. Now nah, we'll be fine in the end. Um, it's just a matter of uh, when it gets fixed. And who fixes it? Because let me tell you, it's not Joe Biden. Well, no, because he won't. That's the thing. I don't even include those people. Somebody's going to fix it. And I'm not just saying that, you know, as a ridiculous, hopeful insight. It's like, no, we've seen people that actually offer solutions. We've seen people that have good ideas. But they don't actually get to implement them. So now we're going to have a bit of a, like, a cleaning of the cleaning of the house. So when that happens, we'll probably be a lot better off. And then when once the house is clean, then it gets important to see who's the, who it is. But the most important thing is actually cleaning it. Or draining the swamp, if you will. Because let me tell you, our government's never been more our government has never been more murky. It's like it's like the it's like the Long Island Sound, the Hudson River, and the California, one in California, all mixed into one. Yeah, no, that, that really is the biggest point because it's absolutely absurd. That there can be no unanimous sort of pull. Well, see, here, here's the thing to note. What was the one thing that they instantly all voted on for it to be okay? The mil- military. Yeah, the military. Because they're worried about everybody else on the outside. They're not worried about the inside. And they're about to really suffer from the inside. That's my estimate. I'm not telling people to do that. I'm just assuming it's going to happen. Because what <laughs> what else are they leading people to do? They expect people to just die on the streets. Yeah, and dude, if you if you watch some of these interviews on CNN, on Fox, on MSNBC of politicians um like of Pelosi, of Schumer, of even like analysts, uh, like Wall Street people on like uh, CNBC, they're so smug. They're so up their own ass. It's unbelievable how tone deaf these people are. Utterly ridiculous. 
But sorry to end on another somber note, but that's where we're wrapping up another episode of the You Mad Bro Pod Bro New Mad Bro Podcast, episode number sixty-nine. I smell a lawsuit. It's coming along with a lot of other things are coming. What else is coming is a brand new podcast from biggestpodcastsolutions.com. That's right, in January of twenty twenty-one, the ambiguous podcast solution. I know it's the name of the company, but it's also the name of our flagship podcast, where podcasters like myself, like Nash Moore, like Jared Laverne, sit down and talk to other podcasters about their podcasting experience, their journey, and what they have learned. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, this is the perfect opportunity for you to listen to the people who have already done it before and see if you want to start one. If you do want to start one, go to biggestpodcastsolutions.com and reach out to us. You find me at will at APSpodcast.com or the whole team at info at APSpodcast.com. And Nash... What's your favorite podcast on the network? It's not mine. Uh, midnight showing. What do you mean? Great answer. We'll be back next week as long as... You said great.